I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to episode four of the School for Dumb Women. That's one for every week in your cycle, or two for every time I have successfully located Portugal on a map. I'm your host woman Hannah Varrell and here are my co-hosts, a female comedian that has somehow not appeared on first dates, Alexandra Haddo. Hello, I need a convincing backstory first. And actually spent £50 on her mam towels this week, Carolina Donahue. Hi Hannah, I now have more her mam towels than regular towels. This week we're covering biology, English and geography. And today is also a very special episode because we have our first ever dumb women guest author of Not Working, Lisa Owens. And half of her name is a boy's name, so you know she's at least halfway smart. But that's all happening a little later, so please resist the urge to hit the plus 15 seconds button a lot, because we also have a pretty good show. So our first lesson this week is biology. Caroline, what are you talking about? I'm talking about feet. Ew. Be careful. I, I've gone on a real journey with feet this week because um, I was on holidays with a couple of friends uh, for the last week. And while I was on holidays, I grew to really loathe my own feet. Oh. Because I, I generally spend um, about half of every summer putting on Factor 50. and I spend the other half hating my own feet and thinking about them and plotting around them. And I just don't understand how is it, how it is that... Every summer, I have the same problem, which is that I buy shoes. I, I look on the internet for the most like comfortable summer sandal. Yeah. And it's generally like, oh, get a Birkenstock or get a Croc or get like this like fashionable thing from Clark's that doesn't look too bad. And it also soothes your feet in a honey bath every time you step yeah. into it. And every time I'm like, oh, this will be the one that will save me. This will be the one that doesn't like cut my oh, feet to ribbons no, or give me blisters. No, no. And it doesn't... Nice. Lies. They don't exist. Those shoes. They don't exist. And, yeah. I, and I was on holidays, and I was. I literally had these like seventy pound Clark sandals that like managed to look okay and like seemed kind of comfortable. Mm. And they were, of course, cutting my feet to ribbons. Mm-hmm. So basically, my whole question this week was: Why are feet so terrible? Like we've been wearing shoes for I've checked ten thousand years. Yeah, because you've actually said this to me before. Why can we put a man on the moon? We can have Wi-Fi. We can have lots of nice things. But can even a very expensive fashion house create a pair of shoes that won't hurt for the first month that you wear them? No. Of course, the worst story ever was when I did the walk of shame into work the next day in a pair of new shoes. From Zara, silver brogues. They looked cracking they until did. there was so much blood that they the blood cascaded over the shoe. I was in so much pain and I was in the clothes from the night before and a woman <laughs> offered to, to take me to the doctors to get me antibiotics because she thought I had a horrible infection and I got fined at Victoria because I didn't swipe in at Gypsy Hill. <sighs> Altogether bad day. Bad day. Bad I day for I- shoes. 
I bet you spend that entire time thinking, I hate my fucking feet. And like, I mean, obviously I'm not the only person who has trouble owning feet because... I mean, if you think about World War One, next to like syphilis and mustard gas, like trench foot was one of the biggest problems yeah. they faced. Mm-hmm. I actually have a number here. How many people do you think were afflicted by trench foot uh, to the extent that they had to be taken out of service during World War One? Oh, like like eight thousand? Seventy-four thousand men. Shitting Whoa. me. Yeah, that's a hundred and forty-four thousand feet. Wow, you just added in your head. Hang on. No, wait. 148,000 oh, feet. Oh. I was about to hand you this rosette and I'm taking it back. Yeah. <laughs> it's too good to be true. It's a plain top for me. Yeah, and like to the extent with trench foot, um, they got gangrene. They had to be amputated. I saw many disgusting pictures online today. Um, <laughs> and it literally just happens when their feet got too damp and horrible and they didn't change their socks enough and they were just forced in these trench situations i.e. trench foot for days upon days and they were really filthy and squalid and they couldn't you know get clean socks or anything and they literally lost their feet because of it which is insane to me that is insane right why have feet not designed better also if we all evolved from sea creatures why is our skin and body not used to being wet Agreed. That's a great question. And one I should have asked when I talked to my expert, because I did talk to an expert this week, and you'll never guess who it is. I won't. (laughs) No, you won't. (laughs) The end. (laughs) I spoke to Tessa Coates, one third of Massive Dad, but Ah. who also has a degree in, hang on, I wrote it down. Anthropology. Biological anthropology, which I didn't know that was a course, Tessa. So when I I pointed this out to her, she was, as somebody who who studies uh, biological anthropology for so long, she was a bit pissed off that I was so pissed off with feet. She was like, hold on a minute now. Hold on a minute. And she made a very good point, which is that, you know, human evolution has been happening for millions and millions of years. You're giving out about your shoes not fitting your feet properly when they're literally just come off a fucking factory line. They're just like plastic made for your very specific feet that have basically just gotten to this point in human evolution about seven million years ago. Like... Shoes arrived half a second ago in terms of human Yeah, that's true. So we just, like, she said, basically, I thought this was a really good way of thinking about all of your problems. Okay. (laughs) So if you're ever, like, overwhelmed or feeling that you, you know, you're just terrible at life or whatever, basically everything that humans have a problem with, so um, lactose digestion, (laughs) alcohol, shoes, (laughs) owning shoes, happens because this thing is new. It's not been around for long. Yeah. We've not been doing it for long and our bodies haven't adjusted yet. So will also, we adapt to shoes? Will we adapt to will shoes? Will our feet change? Well, I'll tell you how we ended up with feet like this in the first place because what pisses me off is like, why aren't they like paws or claws or hooves or something? Why can't they grip anything? Why can't, why can't they Maybe grip anything? Maybe a pencil. Bad at gripping. So about seven million years ago, we saw the dawn of bipedalism, which means we started standing on two legs as opposed to being on four. Mm-hmm. And the reason that happened is... When you need to walk, being on two legs is is basically the optimum to do. It's really hard to kind of walk while you're on four legs, but it's easy to run and basically move quicker if you're on four legs. So at some point, seven million years ago, that species of humanity had to stand up for some reason. And literally why that happened, nobody knows. 
at all. Like it's it's the, there's so many theories about it. Whether it was like, oh, we developed fire and we were able to cook meat, therefore we could you know create villages. We didn't have to move around so much. We weren't running from predators as much anymore because we you know created tools and stuff. There are so many theories, but again, because genetics moves so incredibly slowly, there's really no one answer, which makes it so fascinating and such an incredibly huge question. Um, but Maybe I, giraffes got taller and we had to stand up because we wanted to pet them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe like giraffes started it and they were like dog height and then they just started extending. Yeah. Like, well, I must go meet the giraffe. <laughs> so now humans are designed to like, if you stick your hand up in the air, you can touch the belly of a giraffe. And that's why. Yeah. And that's why oh, we stood exactly. up. Exactly. We used to ride them into battles. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's what it was. Um, so one of the many results of us standing up was um, now our feet had to support the weight of our entire body, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before then, our feet... The sensitivity in our feet was kind of for climbing and for... We use them basically like hands. Like, you've seen monkeys do that before. Yeah. Um, and as a result, through this evolution, we our feet flattened down to almost be a platform for the weight of the rest of our body. And we lost what is known as a helix. Have you ever heard that word before? No. Helix. Essentially, every other ape apart from us, the big toe is opposable. Their big toe works like a thumb. Uh, right? Ooh. We don't... Ha- I know, gross. Imagine if like... <laughs> pulled someone and they had a thumb toe. <laughs> <laughs> you never stop calling him thumb toe. Imagine if you're like, oh, can you pass me my wine glass and he did it with his toe? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a horrible thumb toe Tom. <laughs> thumb toe coming out tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to dump him, but it just feels yeah. so good. He's Wearing got sandals again. on. <laughs> yeah, he's really more of a winter boyfriend. <laughs> so, you know, we lost our big little helix them, which I think is sad um, and our feet sort of went flat and despite the use of our feet changed so it changed along with it um, when I was on the phone to Tessa I sort of pointed out trench foot as being an example of like why feet suck so fucking badly yeah. mm-hmm. and she was like well think about it like the horses in that battle also <laughs> had to have shoes on like horses have to have shoes on because it goes back to that argument of like we have created a bad thing that we're not supposed to be in. Like th- those those men and those horses had to coexist in the quagmire of like shit and blood and corpses and filth and pestilence. What? Humans you... aren't supposed to exist in that way. Yeah, that's Why are a horse is the only other animal that has to wear a shoe? Because we're they're the only other animal that we kind of expect to do a people job. Oh yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> to yeah. walk on like people concrete. And yeah, stuff yeah, as well. that's people true. Because so, they just want to go around on grass the whole time, right? So even like, and I'm sure you've probably seen this, you know, where if someone has a physical job, they have more calloused hands or whatever. And yeah. whereas I have, you know, been been a writer. So I have the soft, gentle hands of a baby, <laughs> <laughs> but also the muscly fingers <laughs> of a blind seamstress in the Middle Ages. <laughs> um, and a strong wrist because you work from home. <laughs> You're gross. I knew, <laughs> I knew you'd find your feel groove Sorry, again eventually. Get, the, get them all out there. Um, but even if you uh, look at feet within like tribal civilizations, they and the, where they're you know for generations of basically nobody has worn shoes ever. Their feet almost look different to ours. They almost look like how feet are supposed to look. Our feet, by comparison, look like crippled ugh, fucking sticks or something. I don't know. Yeah. They look horrible. Um, and you look at someone from that society and their their toes are kind of splayed out and they're still using their feet for a kind of a level of dexterity that we're just not because we have them cloaked in rubber and plastic all day. <laughs> cloaked in rubber. I can't come out tonight. My feet are cloaked in rubber. 
And also it's like the end of your body, isn't it? So it's like, it's basically like the the U-bend of your body. All the crap goes down there and it can't get back it out. It is. Yeah. And I, I was looking at the, a paediatrician website where it's not pediatrician no <laughs> that's a child doctor no chiropodist <laughs> chiropodist is a foot doctor uh so almost all chiropodists are aligned that most foot related diseases come from wearing shoes and there is a certain group of men over their 40s who insist that we should never wear shoes again and i once worked with one who used to go <gasps> on barefoot runs every oh, day no what about yeah. glass and aids <laughs> <laughs> i feel horrible i had to um sand them down with an actual electric oh, strimmer the today. They're yeah, so they're great, great, aren't they? But then um, I think my housemate must have thought I was using something else because it was a very loud vibrating noise. Mm. That's, is, it, is it the shawl one? Yes! That, yeah, you come, there's a band and you go Yes! And you can change the direction. Yes! Which I'm not really sure what that's for because like... Can you? What? I can't change... What? Oh, I can on mine. Oh, you must oh, have the new model. Very smart. 2.0. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it can go like forwards or backwards and I always wonder like, what's the point? <laughs> like what, in what direction I want that little white <laughs> flakes of foot dust to go off in? Like, hmm, towards my bath or towards my mirror? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about these as well. If you've got like a hard bit on your foot from some shoes that you wear or like if you wear trainers mm-hmm. and do running and stuff, you've got like really hard kind of blistery bits. Do you want to shave that off? Because that, that's good, right? That's protecting the skin underneath. You want to you if you need that. to wear a, a bare shoe. Yeah. Only if you subscribe to society's definition of a beautiful foot. That's true, Hannah. Have you guys ever been with anyone who has a foot fetish? No. No. I haven't either, but I do know someone who is like a confirmed foot fetishist and he goes on like um like Getty and looks for red carpet photos of no. um, of celebrities and zooms in their feet. No. And we're not judging it and no. it's totally fine. I'm not judging it. It's just of, of all the fetishes, I find feet one of the most odd because there's I can't even empathise yeah. with mm. the attraction, if you know what I mean. They're too sweaty and gross and they're covered in sock fluff. Yeah, agreed. Is that why, though? Is it, is it kind of like um, a sort of a Mickey Mouse version of having like a shit fetish? It's like it's because they're kind of dirty and they're sort of... We sort of keep them hidden and they're sweaty. Is that why? And they're not... I don't know. There's nothing sexual about them. Mm. Even even when you see a nice foot, you're like, that's a nice foot. Not, I want to get off to that foot. <laughs> anyway, so that's feet. <laughs> So we've all found out lots about the feet that we have. Um, <laughs> let's move on to our Women Who Code Mixer. Yay! So this is our fourth Women Who Code Mixer. We've tackled so far coding, web stacks and motherboards. I think you mean female caregiver boards, Hannah. Yes, female multitasking caregiver boards. I just want you to check yourself before you wreck yourself with your terminology. I think that's important. Okay, I think it's important to write down that we can't pull off that phrase. (laughs) So this week we're going to learn about the cloud. Caroline, tell me what you already know about the cloud. I mean, to me, the cloud, it's a bit like Theresa May people have spent a lot of their time convincing me why it's necessary but honestly I think I was much happier before I even knew it was a thing like before Brexit I was like 
what? Just some who? And Do then home what now? Yeah. yeah. And then suddenly mm-hmm. what? Theresa May is mandatory. I have to update my phone to include Theresa May. Yeah. Theresa May is coming with my next update too, and I have to put all my photos on Theresa May and my contacts. <laughs> also, <laughs> clouds can often be found hovering near fields of wheat, which is another parallel. Yes, Maybe. that's true. Yeah. Mm. Well, the cloud is like Theresa May um, because it constantly gives you grim updates about how it's just doing <laughs> what's best for you. Um, but it isn't Theresa May. It's actually a network of servers and each server has a different function. I bet Theresa May has a lot of servers. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. the calls the Conservative Party. Um, so some of the servers are for storing your photos, like you said. Some servers are for like nuclear weaponry yeah. and stuff like that. Um, servers all collect information, and that's what the cloud is. Oh, okay. And also, Gavin Rossdale got found out about being an adulterer, but because of clouds, is that right, guys? What? <laughs> yeah, and all the nude photo, all the celebrity nude yeah. photos. Yeah, they the, the cloud gave us. Yeah, those. they were on the cloud. The cloud, the cloud is basically a honey trap. Is the cloud evil? I think the cloud is evil or perhaps is in the hands of someone evil. Mm. The cloud knows all. Yeah. And also, when the cloud comes together with too much information, it gets really heavy and then that's where rain comes from. Is that to replenish the wheat fields? Yes. That's what the cloud is. (laughs) Okay. It's all connected. It's It's like the Illuminati. It is. Clouds are the Illuminati. Standard Illuminati reference. (laughs) We've had one in every show. (laughs) Dumb women bingo. (laughs) Mention the Illuminati. Fine, well, I mean, we understand the cloud. Great. I completely get the cloud. Yeah. So my lesson this week is an English lesson. I don't think we've had an English lesson yet, so I'm pretty excited about this. We've had a language lesson for our first episode. Yeah, but like foreign languages. So I've always been confused about this thing that most of us use every day. The The pill. Not the pill. The tube. Uh, not the tube. My juicer. Not your juicer. Okay. Um, it's something that you probably had to use in order to find and download this podcast, if you're listening to it. Ooh, a treasure map. A treasure map, yes. Uh, well, it's the alphabet. Ooh, a treasure oh. map of sorts. Yes. Mm. A treasure map to knowledge, which is also what you could call this podcast. Yeah. Yes. Do you Do you guys, um, have you heard of the alphabet? I've heard of its friends. Yep. I haven't been to Alphabet Land, but I've been to some of the neighbouring countries. Sure. I have eaten their spaghetti. So you've heard of the Alphabet. That's a good start. Uh, Where did it come from? I know that the reason that we can derive languages from one another is because of the Rosetta Stone. Um, And I think that probably the Greeks were probably using the letters that we know today, because before that, all the civilizations would have been like Mesopotamia and stuff. So that would have been like forms of Arabic, I think. But I I could be totally making that up. Well, actually, um, it came down from space like Moses. Okay. And now we have it and we use it on Twitter. (laughs) The the end. (laughs) Um, I would love it if that was the explanation. (laughs) It came down from space like Moses. That's probably what Scientologists believe. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, what is the Rosetta Stone? I thought that was just for learning other languages. Is that a real thing? Is that why that's called that? Yeah. Yeah, it was like it was like a big stone discovered in Egypt at the turn of the century and um it's how we can it's how we can read hieroglyphics because it had hieroglyphics and then it had Latin underneath it so we could, huh. we could yeah. coagulate the two. Kind and of it thing. had Greek and the Greek language has never the Greek alphabet has never changed in like thousands and thousands of years so that's how they were able to compare it. That's so yeah. clever. I think it's in the British Museum we probably stole it off someone. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah nicked it off Cairo. Right. Well, I mean, I didn't know that the Rosetta Stone was a real thing. So if oh, wow. any other dumb women out there That's also don't know that. You're dumb. Please support me because I feel so alone. <laughs> Um, so, uh, it didn't come down from space like Moses. What happened was it was a huge mix of loads of different cultures adopting it and then changing it. And then it kind of eventually became what it is today. So it started off, as you were saying, in ancient Egypt. Um, so the Egypt, ancient Egyptians had hieroglyphs, which were, you know, kind of pictures that were words, like a bird, things like that. Like an emoji. Yeah. Like an like old fashioned emoji. Yeah. Sorry, um, can I, quick, what's everyone's current favourite emoji? The moon emoji. <gasps> oh! I was going to say the moon emoji. Always. I love the moon emoji. There the is moon, no other. The moon is so smug and I love it. Yeah. So um, tell me about the Egyptians' emojis. Yeah, so the Egyptians had emojis. We're not really talking about them. We're talking about the Latin alphabet because there's too many bloody alphabets for me to talk about all of them in one go. Mm-hmm. Well, did hieroglyphs another time. So our current alphabet got started in ancient Egypt, as I was saying, but not by the Egyptians. It was invented by either the Canaanite workers living on the Sinai Peninsula in 19th century BC or Semitic workers living in central Egypt in 15th century BC. So they created kind of the basic and then it spread through the Middle East and Europe. Um, And by my count, from various websites I've looked at, it went through the Phoenicians, the Greeks, who added vowels, because before that it was all consonants. Um, Then it went to the Etruscans, who ruled early Rome. They sound jazzy. Before it was Rome. They sound really great and kind of camp. I know. How come I don't know anything about the Etruscans? (laughs) I don't know. What's like an Etruscan? And then it went to the Latins, who went on to create Rome and the Roman Empire. And then they came over to old England, and they kind of mixed it with Old English. So for a while, English had a lot of Old Norse symbols from the runic alphabet. Right, yeah, of course. So there were lots of like TH sounds in mm-hmm. Old English, like th. Uh, and there's things like runes, isn't there? What are they? They're like... Yeah, they, that's yeah, what runes. that is. Yeah. Yeah, so for a while, just, Old they were English... Just, it was just like, like everywhere else, just symbols indicating sounds, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for a while, they had... Uh, mix of both and then eventually we kind of just got rid of those we were like we have th instead it's fine and the name alphabet comes from aleph and beth which are the first two letters in the phoenician alphabet and Ah. also like alpha beta gamma yeah that's super greek Mm -hmm. so yeah found out where the alphabet went on its travels where did the shapes come from that's really interesting because i guess i I mean when we, we started with Pictures representing things, and then we had lines like runes. Yeah, where I've, I actually have no idea where no I came idea. from. Well, like hieroglyphs, the name kind of developed from a thing that they called a certain thing, and then they were like, "We well, can make that into a letter." So, right. So it might have looked like something which was the sound that they made when they said that thing. Yeah. So A, for example, the letter A. If you flip it upside down, it resembles an animal head with horns. And it originally meant ox in ancient Semitic. Oh, wow. O as well. Um, it started its life as an Egyptian hieroglyph uh, and it was called Avin and it was the outline of a pupil in an eye. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. I like cool. your Avins. And then um, Avins. K somehow was an outstretched hand with one finger and a thumb visible. Does that represent the Kardashians yeah. grasping for more yes. always? <laughs> I think so. Um, but I have a theory which is completely nowhere on the internet, completely unfounded, mm. and almost definitely won't make sense as soon as I've said it. Mm-hmm. That letters look like the shape your mouth makes when you say it. <gasps> so, like, if you say P 
and you think about what your mouth does, it kind of makes it kind of goes around and then down. P. If you say B, you're putting your lips together <laughs> like in a B, B shape, mm. and like D. I think it works with like, O. O. Oh, oh come on! Oh. <laughs> a. I like my theory. So all the letters that have kind of like like closed shapes, you have to close your mouth for. But the letters that have open shapes, you kind of keep your mouth open for. So like E, oh. F. Do you see what I mean? No, I think I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of getting the logic. No, yeah. I get it. Yeah. L. How L, you, you f- kind of go up and then down and then across. L. On that note, I really like that um, the word bed looks like the thing. Yes. Oh my God, it does. It does, right? Why has no one invented a bed frame where it is spells out bed? Oh, I'm sure they have. Weird. But maybe that should be us. Should we do that? Yeah. Can we copyright that? Let's put it on the uh, Kickstart list. Yes. <laughs> to Kickstart. I'll email Habitat to the <laughs> So I um, couldn't find anything online that supported my theory, but yeah. I still like it. Oh, Start it off, Hannah. Yeah, and uh, apparently there are some languages that do actually do this. So the Arabic alphabet in some way does this. I didn't have time to properly research why or how. Uh, and the Korean alphabet, Hangul, does this, oh. which I think is really interesting. And where does the phonetic alphabet come from? Is that to do with Yes, how, that was my next question, because whenever yeah. I, when you look something up on Wikipedia and it says in brackets the sort of phonetic thing, and you're like, well, that has not cleared anything up for me at all. <laughs> that's just Klingon. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a way of... Um, kind of scientifically mapping out what your mouth does when you make a sound so that technically you can read <gasps> it. They stole your theory. No, because the phonetic alphabet doesn't look like the shape that your mouth makes. How the phonetic alphabet is just like, they'll have like a, a certain shape that means that you're using like the top of your oh, palate I see. and the certain shape that means you use the back of your oh, palate. Oh, I see. It's not done on actual movement. It's just that shape means this. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, and it kind of maps out your entire mouth and all the kind of sounds you can make with it. So it's really interesting. And technically, if you had like a sentence in any language that was written in in IPA, the International Phonetic Alphabet, mm-hmm. if you could read that um, fluently, then you could just say whatever it is. You could like wow. conv- you could like convincingly say anything in any language, yeah. but you wouldn't know what you're saying because it has like consonants and vowels and everything and every kind of like uh, e or e or like, <laughs> like everything. That was really pleasing. That yeah, sound, it was. The sounds you just made. So yeah, back to the alphabet. Why is it arranged in this order? Because it is. There was cool. no answer. It just always has been. And then sometimes things were added on the end. So like, have you ever seen an ampersand? Yes. On the alphabet. That used to be like just a, a, a member of the alphabet. Oh, what yeah. did it mean? Well, so and obviously is what it means. Per se means on its own. So you actually were saying you'd say like X, Y, Z and then you say and per se on its own mm-hmm. and which is really meta. So you're saying I, and oh. X and Y and Z and per on se. its own per se and and then... And per se, have, have and I been using, turned into ampersand. Hang on, have I been using the phrase per se incorrectly my entire so life? So have I, because that because I use per I se. Think different. Uh, when I say per se, I think for example, generally is how I. Now I can't think how I use the phrase per se. You no, wouldn't do no, that. No, per no, se. no. It's like yeah, you wouldn't. No, it's not like that per se. Yeah, it's, like, it's not exactly yeah, as, like exactly. that as such. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. God, I don't know. We've reached our level of dumb. Please. I feel reset. fantastically <laughs> dumb. Mm. Last thing. Why do we have capital letters? To just signify the beginning of a sentence? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Well, where do they come from now? Oh, I, I think I might know the answer to this. Oh, come on. Go on. Um, this would be a dumb women first. 
Ooh. <laughs> okay, um, this is total guesswork. Yeah. So don't be mean. Um, is it come? Is it come from like illustrated manuscripts, like what monks used to do? You know, they would like highlight the first letter of a page with all the kind of the color. Uh, no, but they were in illustrated manuscripts. They don't look the same as little letters, do they? So literally, why did someone just decide, I'm going yeah. to draw this totally different thing and I'm it's going, going to, to mean the same double thing? double the alphabet and double the work for yeah. everyone learning oh this. It is double the work, isn't it? I had never yeah. thought of it that way because it's so ingrained that you just know the alphabet, but it yeah. is double the work for no reason. Yeah, well, okay, so what happened was the alphabet originally was all capital letters. Capital letters came first. Oh, oh wow. Okay, so the alphabet's... Uh, from the start were written in large majuscule letters, big letters. Um, And then when people started writing on, you know, like papyrus or whatever, I suppose, when people started writing stuff down and they got quicker and quicker at it, they realised that they could write certain letters quicker by doing them in that certain style. And that certain style whereby you can write it quicker became lowercase letters. Wow. And another really interesting fact, which I enjoyed a lot, why are they called uppercase and lowercase? Um, it's because when people started printing stuff, they would have little blocks <gasps> with all the letters on them and they would keep the capital letters because they had to use them less commonly in an uppercase that was further away and they would keep the smaller letters, That's so cute. the lowercase letters in a lowercase because Aww. they had to reach them more often. Printmakers are the cutest. I know. I'm having yeah. that. I'm a really guilty feeling like that is a story that um, printmaker boyfriend Gavin Day has told me before, and I've <laughs> totally blocked out. You know, you got that fuzzy thing of like when you're not listening to your partner, yeah, and yeah. you feel like you're remembering a conversation in a dream because you know you weren't listening. Yeah, yeah, and you're just going off the tone of what they're saying. Like, yeah, mm, and you're like, and you're like oh, whoa, wow, God, jeez, wow. well done, babe. That's yeah, immediately yeah. gone from my brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, so bad at love. <laughs> so it's kind of the the main theory is that the reason we continue to retain capital letters today is what you were saying before. It's like to signify the start of a sentence, which just helps to helps you with legibility. It helps you to know that a sentence has started. If you see the full stop and then you see the space and then you see the capital letter, you're like, there is no ambiguity here. That's the start of a sentence. So that's um, how we have the alphabet. And wow. What, we do with it. what a very well-researched segment. Yes. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Hannah, for giving me the gift of knowledge. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Shall we move on then to our final segment? Yes. Yes. You pumped? You ready? I am pumped. <laughs> and I'll tell you for why. <laughs> Before I start this, guys, I'm going to have a little rant. I am a bit older than you guys. I'm 29. Oh, wow, you are older than me. Yes, exactly. Older than time himself. Yes. <laughs> You'll be able um, to um, stop existing soon. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I'll start becoming invisible next year when I turn 30. You will. <laughs> You'll be one of those invisible women I keep hearing about. Mm. And I'm not married. <gasps> God. What are you going to do? I think I'm just going to go to a cottage by the sea and just sort of write. And and sell soaps. Yes. Bar soaps. Jam, Wander make around my own jams. long dresses. Yeah. I'm just going to lament. Yeah. Bring lament back as a verb. Yes. <laughs> he laments, she laments, apart from he never laments. He doesn't. Is that your... he's sleeping with someone Oh my younger. God, is this going to be the first poem in your collection that you're going to publish <laughs> as a 30-year-old woman who's invisible and lives in the cottage by the sea? Lament, don't lactate. That's going to be my poetry book. <laughs> God, I'm excited already. Anyway, I've gone off on a tangent about my future there, but (laughs) my point is... I mean, recycling is very relevant if we're talking about the future. Yes, I haven't even mentioned that it was recycling. Sorry, carry on. How did you know? (laughs) Case in point, yesterday I went across London to get a second-hand hoover for free because I was bothered about my house looking a little bit untidy. That's being 29. Now, number two... I am very into recycling these days, guys. And I'm very annoyed about recycling. Have you ever made yourself a meal? Yes. Yes. On the regular? Yes. Yes. Would you say almost every day? Yes. Yes. There is more packaging in that meal than there is anything else. I I, am single. If I'm making myself a meal for one, quite often there's plastic, there's a little tray of plastic Mm. then there's some cling film then there's a fancy cardboard thing Mm -hmm. saying Tesco finest if I'm being fancy or whatever for the tiniest little thing Amazon sends you a teeny tiny microchip and it has to like get delivered on a fucking forklift truck and there's three boxes (laughs) and some tat stop all the packaging anyway I'm very single at the moment and this is really (laughs) my number one source of anger and I'm annoyed about it because where does it all go yeah well, I know I separate it into a bin. Yep. And then it Gets goes away. Taken away by the nice men. And then every the now nice and then I'm in like an upmarket place and it's like, this notebook is made from a tire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those places? Yeah. yeah. This makeup is made from your bin. This cup is made out of other cups. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I have drunk from this the cup cycle. before. It's yeah. like in The Lion King when it's like, we eat the antelope and the antelope eat the grass and mm. we become the grass. Is that what it is? That sounds soothing. Well, guys, I can tell you, amongst other things, there's a lot of debate about how much of it goes to China. (laughs) That's the main weird thing that I found when I was looking up recycling. (laughs) Because I wanted to know about the UK, really. We don't don't care that much about what the countries do. Only because, (laughs) I mean, we care in a sort of global sense. But in this very podcast, we want to know when I put my crisp packet in the recycling bin, what happens. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there was lots of sites that said, oh, we recycle cups into more cups, like you say, paper into more paper, etc., etc." And then a lot of it goes to China as they don't have any raw materials. And I was thinking, oh, Pardon? that seems very counterproductive. China's huge. China's, China's have- huge. No. And then I honestly, the next one I clicked on just to learn a bit more said, contrary to popular belief, none of our recycling gets sent to China. <laughs> and it seems that in the recycling industry, there's quite the... 
quite the fracas, I'd say, about... About how much we're sending to China. About how much we're sending to China, but I I don't think we are sending it to China because that seems like bullshit, but no smoke without fire. It seems like if you're trying to um, create a greener environment, shipping or flying your rubbish somewhere else for them to deal with doesn't seem like the most eco-friendly decision. No, it's like Leonardo DiCaprio flying to Paris to collect an environmental award and then flying back on his private jet, which he did do... You're not serious. Yeah, in the same day. That's hilarious. I know. Think about how much air those supermodels are breathing as well. (laughs) So many of them. A sea. A sea of supermodels. Um, Basically, the the main part isn't that interesting, but I just find the China Wars and the fact that all around Britain there seems to be mini communities that uh, recycle different things, which I'll tell you about in a second. But basically, you're... um, your recycling gets taken to a materials recovery factory and sorted partly by machines, partly by humans. Oh, well done them. I know, they're still employing humans, which is nice. Caroline, you look scared. I was just imagining this weird office environment where a robot keeps being made employee of the month and all, <laughs> and all the humans gang up and overthrow the robot. God, Keith's got it again. Keith. Bloody Keith. Bloody with Keith his is, hands. With his robotic yeah. arms and his no need for Keith sleep. Keith is an acronym for like computerized electronic <laughs> information. information. <laughs> yeah, tin trees. <laughs> tin helmets. <laughs> Acronyms don't have to make sense. They just need to spell names. Exactly. Uh, I have a question, which I think every time that I put anything in the recycling, but then I never actually get around to Googling it because I forget as soon as I've finished putting that thing in. <laughs> Do Are you meant to wash the things before they go in the recycling, like tubs of pesto or like mayonnaise or like trays that have had chicken in them? You are, but I think that's just a courtesy to the non-Keiths. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> The year is 2014. <laughs> Humanity is made up of Keats and non-Keats. <laughs> Justin Timberlake plays a rogue recycler. <laughs> Amanda Seyfried is the Keith he's in love with. <laughs> she sorts eight times faster than him. But he sorts her. <laughs> She's got a recycled vagina. The 20th century. Her vagina's made out of many vaginas <laughs> that have been compressed. He washes it for her before he puts the new one in out of courtesy. Love is one for the ages. <laughs> one for the ages, my friends. So you meant to wash them then, right? <laughs> yeah, wash them. Be nice. Come Good. on. Good. Um, who wants to hear some doodly doodly? Recycling facts. Always. You're doing your own jingles now. You're trying to put Harry Harris out of a job. Yeah. Sort of Harry Harris. Are you the new Keith? You man. (laughs) I'm your Keith, Harry. And I'll be coming for you. Anyway, all of the newsprint manufactured here in the UK is now made from 100% recycled paper. Hey, well done. We're doing so well. And this, actually, this is actually what piqued my interest in recycling. Something I... Hoped I'd never say. Um, a couple of weeks ago, because I realised, well, I read, that Sweden has done all of its recycling. It's just done it. it uh-huh, but doesn't it make more? It's yeah. now, but it's... It's, it's just so on it's top of It's so it. efficient at its own it's recycling, like when you've done yes. all your homework and then you get a new bit and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do that today. Yeah. That's so fucking smug. I know. So Swedish. And they've been, like, appealing to, like, nearby countries, like, oh, have you got any that we could do for you because we've done our own? Hmm. Sweden is such a virgin. It really is. 
Go get laid, Sweden. <laughs> Jesus. Have a fucking beer, Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> and then recycle it straight after. And the, you know, there's like a country in the Pacific that's made out of rubbish. Why can't we pick that up and recycle it? Yeah. I think because it's so big. This is what else piqued my interest. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch. <laughs> Also described as the Pacific Trash Vortex. Also described as my vagina. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, is a Gaia, which I don't know what that is, a Gaia of marine debris particles in the central North Pacific Ocean, discovered in between 1985 and 1988. It seems like they could have pinned that down. I mean, that's recent yeah. history, right? Basically, plastic's going to kill us all. Yeah, we need to send Keith in. We, need, we do need, we need more Keiths. Mm-hmm. The world needs a saviour, and like... his name is Keith. Yes. Her name is Keith. Oh. oh! There's the title of the film! Her name is Keith. So, we've done recycling, we've done three lessons today, which is a lot. We're going to round off the podcast with a smart lesson. Um, and this week, it's really exciting, we have a special guest. We have Lisa Owens here. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, here are some facts about Lisa Owens, for those of you who don't know. She wrote a book called Not Working. Her book was so good, they made it into two books, a hard book and then a soft book. Um, and the soft book is now out now in real bookshops. Yeah, that's that's two books. You only had to write one book, but they made it into two books. That's a very smart woman move. <laughs> Absolutely. Is it Completely like, deliberate. Is it the DVD release of the book world? I guess it is, actually. That's an interesting way of putting it. It's hmm. you, If I still worked in publishing as I used to, I would use that. I would steal that and use it. But I think that is kind of... It's like a second life, a second chance yeah. kind of thing. Um, what's our smart lesson today, Anna? So, because Lisa's book is called Not Working and it features a character that does not working, we wanted <laughs> to know... How does that work? <laughs> so the book is about uh, this young woman called Claire who um, she has a job in creative communications uh, and she feels that it's quite unfulfilling to her and that there's something out there that she would rather be doing. Um, the main problem is that she doesn't actually know what that is. Uh, and so in this kind of bold move, she quits her job and then is just fully unemployed without any idea of where she's going or what she's doing. Um, and so the book is kind of her just like... I, you know, I really should be able to explain it better at this point. Um, so the book is really, you know, it's written in these short vignettes and it's um, it's her just kind of trying to, you know, get her life back on track. Um, but actually everything kind of ends up sort of slowly disintegrating around her. You know, her boyfriend is a trainee brain surgeon and so he's got his, you know, his shit together. Um, her mum stops talking to her because of a comment that she makes at a funeral. Um, and so there's kind of all this stuff going on and the kind of central, I guess, constant in her life that had been just her career that, you know, I think for lots of people, you when you say what you do, it kind of in some way kind of defines you. She doesn't have that. So it's kind of following this person kind of really going through some sort of mild existential crisis. Um, yeah. I, for one loved the fact that it was written in little vignettes because it made it feel like I was reading loads of chapters. <laughs> um, Did that make you feel smart? It made me feel so... I was on chapter five by the first page. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so Claire in the book, she she does not working really well. Um, what, what are the best ways that she finds of not working? And how can we, as dumb women, do not working at home ourselves? Do not working to the very best of our abilities. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, it gets to really kind of, it gets to a really sort of molecular level where she's not working in the sense that she doesn't have a job, but then she's also not working in like any sense of like, she's not even like, 
cleaning the house on like a sort of minimum level. She's not like, you know, there's a bit where her boyfriend asked her to post a letter and she doesn't post the letter. Oh, posting like, letters is horrible. Though. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so she, and instead she spends her time, I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of the classics. It's watching YouTube videos. Okay. Um, it's kind of Googling stuff and then ending up just miles from where you began. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of internet related procrastination, which um, I'm sure we're all very familiar with. Okay, I mean, we're pretty good at the internet. I think we can... Yeah, yeah. I mean, we Googled all these answers. Yeah. <laughs> so. And we only went on some tangents. Yeah. yeah. So if you can't do not working because you need money to pay a smart woman whose property you rent, <laughs> um, how can you go to work while still actually not working, but Great you question. look like you're working? It's a very good question. I think one of the key things is to do a job that is as vague as possible. <laughs> mm. <laughs> a sort of real title that is, yeah. you know, kind of all things to all men. Communications is a good one. Yeah. Communications. Communications is even better. And Perfect. sometimes the more words in the job title, the less you know what they do. Exactly. Creative, I- strategic, <laughs> analyst, executive. Rockstar. Rockstar. <laughs> and like anything that's like... I just feel like having using the internet as research is like is like a great kind of catch all. I think just mm, that yes. you can look at any Wikipedia page, you know, like then mm. no one's gonna think it's suspicious that you yeah. could, because you're always it's all research, you know, it's all a kind of That's true. You know, yeah. coming um, up with ideas. My or, job for many years was social media manager. Oh. Perfect. And so basically <laughs> if you're if you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram, you're like, Yeah, I I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. <laughs> As I should be. Yeah. Yeah. As I'm being paid to be. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh, I'm just researching this account to see what she's doing. But really, I'm looking at my ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but how do you actually then differentiate between work and... Oh, you can't, yeah. I think also if you can contrive to wear headphones like from day one, then yeah. I think like, you can get away with a That's lot. That's my speciality. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, you guys yeah. are all looking very professional. Right <laughs> and I sit next to you and sometimes you pretend like you can't hear me. <laughs> yeah and sometimes I can't and sometimes I just hate you yeah <laughs> fair enough I'm annoying um, another good thing which I've thought of as well is make a big spreadsheet with your star signs on it and make it all different colours <gasps> oh uh, to make it look like there's a big sort of system yeah yeah. and then what you would just kind of tab that up when someone walks by mm-hmm. you know you just you just think you just pretend it's important yeah the whole Venus is in yeah. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Colin, I can't take this call, I'm afraid. It's an urgent movement in the Venus stars. Venus is on the move. As long as it's a spreadsheet, it looks like work. That's true. That's essentially true. my point. That's a good, a good rule of thumb. Yeah. yeah. Good tips there, mm. I think. Very good. I feel like I've learned a lot about not working and how to do it. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Ms. Owens. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. much. Well, those noises mean it's the end of the podcast. No! <laughs> We want to say a special thank you to Lisa Owens for wallowing in our dumb puddle today. Her book, Not Working, is out now in good and evil bookshops. Thanks also to Harry Harris for making our jingles, Gavin Day for drawing our logo with the Smart Man pen, and Soho Radio Studios for their Smart Man technology, which is writing our voices down and putting them in your ears. If you feel less dumb after listening to this, please let us know on Twitter at DumbWomenPod or write us a review on iTunes and join us again next week for more of the same. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.